Hello, educators of Virginia. Welcome to another episode of Deeper Insights, your favorite podcast channel. Uh, I have the wonderful privilege today of sitting down uh, with Emily Watkins, who is the Director of Community Impact for United Way locally in uh, Richmond. Well, locally for, for me uh, and, and close to me, uh, but in Richmond. Emily, uh, welcome. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm an avid podcast listener, so it's thrilling to be on kind of the other side of the microphone today. Awesome, awesome. So our our listeners have come accustomed to me not letting our guests get away with. I'm great. I'm doing fine. When we check in, um, when when I ask how are you, I I really want to know. Uh, obviously, we're perfect strangers, and our our listeners tuning in uh, are looking to develop a relationship with you. So in in this moment where we are in in this time and space, how are you? And if you are great, why are you great? Yeah, yeah. Well, I um. I am someone who is kind of an optimist. I was once in um, um, an RPS classroom leading a volunteer activity and a, the kid looked up at me and goes, are you always like this? And I was like, like what? He's, you know, like happy. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty generally happy. Um, but so I am kind of a, a, a happy person, but I'm working on a youth mental health initiative right now. And that's something that you definitely have to dig deep all the things that you've been hearing about self-care for years you need to practice in order to kind of stay positive because I definitely deal with a lot of heavy stuff each day yeah that's uh it's so interesting that you say that because that's you know we we throw around that self-care and I think it's come to a, a point where we're we're kind of saturated maybe with with what that is and what that means but really recharging and I recently had a conversation with Jane Kesey who who has a bandwidth bandwidth is the word that she's using. And, and if you're going to support others, there's no way that you can do it. If you yourself are, are not full and whole and, and ready to enter into that work. So it's so interesting that who you are just as a human being, like you, you talked about being positive and, and optimistic and, and, and happy and cheery, how that can have an influence on others, but it can also, come back to you to take that away. So how you build that up. Um, that's definitely interesting. So uh, Emily, just a quick, um, your journey, uh, just kind of tell us like, how did you get to the place where you are as a director of community impact? Yeah. So I've worked at this United Way in a variety of roles over the past few years, and I was our senior director of strategic engagement. So I was working with all different community partners, trying to get them on board with different United Way initiatives. And one day I was at a meeting um, in Goochland schools and talking with the superintendent, what's the biggest issue you're facing right now? He said youth mental health. And then I went to a meeting, drove down to Petersburg, Petersburg, someone from the Petersburg Police Department said, what's the biggest issue you're facing right now? And it was youth mental health. And it was like, whoa, these are really different partners. And we had just been, schools had been closed, at least in our local area, a lot of them had been closed for a full, over a full school year. And we had heard, we heard, we heard so many alarming statistics. And it was like, how are we going to help our community right now? There's something really here around youth mental health. And so we got a grant um, from United Healthcare. Thank you, United Healthcare, um, if you're listening. We got a grant um, in order to bring a program here locally called Everyday Strong. And then 
I was so, I have my own kids, but also just hearing all these stories from talking, it was like, I want to do that. And so I um, switched my job. I applied to be the program director and I don't actually have a mental health background, but I'm someone who's been, who the RPS student asks, why are you so happy all the time? But I think there's something about convening people around mental health that really we convene other um experts, um, people who've worked with youth, classroom teachers, um, all together. And so I really lean on their expertise. And I'm the one who can kind of keep us um, positive and going um, in this, um, working on this project together. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I definitely appreciate that. And, and I can definitely um, associate with, I'm not really qualified to do this <laughs> job, but I've, I am on fire for, for this thing. And so I'm definitely willing to learn the skills that it takes, even if I'm not the subject matter expert, maybe something that I'm really good at is bringing the subject matter experts together and, and for lack of a better phrase, hurting the cats. Uh, yes. so, so Emily, it sounds like, like this thing, this, this mental health crisis that we're in is maybe something that you're interested in, uh, maybe something that you're passionate about. Um, one of the questions I've been asking folks recently is, you know, what are you thinking about? What keeps you up at night? Like right now in this moment, what's on your mind? So but before we dive, I'd, I'd love to learn a little bit more about Everyday Strong. But before we do that, like what, what are you thinking about right now? Definitely. What keeps me up at night? The, the first thing that came to mind was just my own kids, literally and emotionally keeping me up at night. Um, I have a nine month old and a four year old, but there are so many people who are just you know, you're in it with kids, especially some that may have mental health challenges, may have some developmental challenges, the parents, the caring adults, the teachers, the soccer coach, the people who are worried about a kid, you're in it with a kid. Thank you so much. Our kids need us. Um, and there's nothing like youth mental health that can um, keep you up at night. I'm just like, um, and I would say, Beyond my own kids, it's the stories I've heard from other kids and families um, leading this initiative. So working with both um, people in schools and other professionals, but people who are just the grandma supporting their child and hearing stories about, you know, what it looks like when mom, mom's gone, dad's a drug user, the child's been suspended several times, and you don't, you don't know what's the first step I can take mm. to help support this child? And so all those grandparents and parents and teachers being like, what's that first step? So I, I'd say it's those folks I think about um, when I'm trying to sleep. Yeah, yeah. and it, Well, and it's so interesting, especially when you're really talking about how many kids we serve who who have a story, uh, you know, the, the metaphor of the invisible backpack, like the kids show up at, at our doorstep, if we're parents, when they come home from somewhere, or, uh, if we're educators, when the kids get off the bus and they walk into the school, or if we're an out of school time provider and they walk into our facility or, you know, grandma's got to cover down on, uh, you know, childcare duties from, from four to six or, or whatever every kid has their own story and right now the stories are are i don't know if they've if they're heavier than they've ever been in in the history of mankind um or or what but there's there's a lot of work to be done 
Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely a lot of work to do. One thing that we know is um, 38% of Virginia teens reported feeling sad or hopeless for two weeks or more within the last year. And that two weeks or more is an important threshold because that's one part of the definition of depression. And so we're looking at 38% of our kids are reporting the main def the main symptom of depression. That's huge. And we know some of the some things that had the pandemic had um, a role in that, but if you look at what 2019 was, it was 32 percent, and 2015 was 27 percent. So things have been getting worse before and after the pandemic, mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of um, you know reasons why people say that it's not going to be the same. Um, there's a lot of you know, things we can point to, but even if we don't know exactly what the reason or the cause is, we have some known solutions um, that we know will help individual kids and our communities as a whole. Yeah, so we definitely want to <laughs> we definitely want to um, unpack some of those solutions. Yeah. As I, I said, I'm an optimist, so I had to end <laughs> <some> good news. <laughs> no, I, I think I think now um, you know it's so important to have uh hope to have that that layer of optimism that that layer of promise of what it is that we're looking forward to but then also that solutions oriented um mindset because it would be very easy for us to just say it's hard and wallow in it and just like spiral and and not move forward but um but definitely so so Speaking of solutions, you mentioned earlier Everyday Strong. I'd love to learn a little bit more about the program. So tell us a little bit about it, how it came to be, what, what the program serves, et cetera, et cetera. Tell us all the things. Yes, great. So um, it's really based off of the growing body of evidence that shows that the number one thing that's going to help kids bounce back from setbacks and challenges is the presence of a caring adult, at least one committed, stable relationship with an adult, someone they can talk to about their problems. So the, the good news is, is that's a known evidence-based solution. Um, the hard part of that is, is how do you be that adult, right? Like, even if you want to be supporting your you know, you're a student in your classroom, you know, 14 year olds are not really the hardest to, or not necessarily always the easiest to connect with and support with. And so um, what we wanted to do was provide um, tools and trainings and solutions to people to help be that caring adult. Um, what are the things that adults can do to help, to help be that person, to build the resilience in kids? Yeah. Um, you Go ahead. Yeah, no, you go ahead. You keep keep going. Um, so we started here locally. Uh, um, another United Way got started with this, and they had great results of um, the number of people who are reporting um, taking positive interactions with teens to support their mental health. And so one thing is we knew we wanted to move quickly, that really we're in a crisis coming out of the pandemic. We didn't want to spend 10 years developing something. So we leaned on something that was developed um, by another United Way and adapted it here locally with um, a working group of educators, of people who work at the health department, people who work for SCAN is one of our main partners, which stands for Stop Child Abuse Now, um, and all the people who have the right initials um, after their name. <laughs> other, I'm the one who convenes us all. And um, to, to adapt it here locally and work on launching both a public awareness campaign and community trainings and school trainings um, 
for educators and people to help support the emotional needs of teens. Yeah. Yeah. You were, you were talking about, you know, um, supporting the adults. I, I want to talk about, if it's okay with you, talk a little bit about that because what, yeah. what I'm finding is like, we're struggling too. Yes. Y you know what I mean? And so uh, uh, earlier you talked about how it's important to be able to show up at, for your whole self in, in, in your work. Um, but I, I want to get into like, I think there's a disposition side of it, like having that mindset, but then there's also a set of skills. Like I want to be the best dad in the world to my kids, but parenting is hard. Like, you know what I mean? So, so when you talk about like how to adult in a way in support of a child, especially right now, what are some things that you're thinking about or that you're talking about or, or kind of coach us through some of that? Yeah. So it's, um, it's very simple on purpose. Um, and we break it down to three things. Um, one for the three emotional needs of children. And really these are all of our emotional needs, but we focus on examples of kids eight to 18, just, it's going to show up differently in early childhood or later in life, but we break down the emotional needs to emotional safety, connection, and confidence. And so what are some things you can do to build emotional safety with a child, bringing like, how can I make them feel safe? That security, that routine, safe to feel all of their emotions, safe to fail, safe to talk. How do I be that safe place for a child or teen? From there, um, connection. How do we connect? Um, and then ultimately, how do you support them? How do you help them build their confidence so that ultimately they can have mental wellness, thrive, however you want to kind of resilience, um, however you want to put it at the top. But one thing we know is that if your emotional needs aren't met, if yeah. you show you are not going to be well positioned to help meet those emotional needs of kids. And the first one is emotional safety. So if you're a parent who, you know, if the kid doesn't know how mom's going to show up each day, you know, is she oh. going to fly off the handle, or if there's not shared expectations for the child's behavior and yours, you know, that's going to um, not create a sense of emotional safety. And that goes for people inside the classroom too. You know, having a sense of that stability routine is really kind of the first step. Having an emotionally stable adult is usually that kind of first step towards emotional safety for kids. Yeah, that's... Um... Gosh, you're hitting home on a whole lot of levels right there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about like, you know, I just, I, I can't help but think like how much training at like, for instance, on the professional side as educators, then the amount of training we go through, you know, degrees, certifications, experience over time, trying things that work and don't work. And, and, and I struggle, this is just me. I struggle with my goodness. Like I, I know exactly what I need to do as a, as a teacher. I know exactly what it is that I need to do as a school leader. I know exactly what it is that I need to do. Well, not always as, as an executive, I'm not going to say that I know what I'm doing, but I know exactly what I should be doing yeah. as a parent. That's not always easy. Like when you're talking about um, that support and when we extend beyond parenting as teachers for the safety connection and the confidence as out of school time providers with that safety connection and confidence. I really like that safety co connection and confidence, by the way. Um, it just sounds like being that simple, recognizing that it is that complex can really give us um, some Velcro really to stick onto and, and to come back to. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think um, parents, we have to make it easy, right? Because you have a million things going on, but also for educators, we didn't want this to be one more program, one more thing that you have to submit reports on, but more just a set of tools for really a mindset that you can bring to the classroom of how can I help a child feel safe, connected, and confident? And how the best part about it is that um, it is so simple, but that also we all have experience in those things. We all have experience in how, when we felt safe or when we didn't. And we all have, there's such a diversity of experience that one thing that might speak to me might not speak to another kid or might not speak to another person. So we all have kind of valid and diverse life experience in these things. Um, that I think helps make it really universal and a tool that people can use. Yeah. So can you can you talk us through? I mean, the majority of our audience uh, is educators. Some some of our educators are also these other things too, like parents and coaches and out of school time providers. So we definitely wear many hats as human beings these days. But really specifically, what you know VASCD's mission is and. And, and really looking to advance excellence in Virginia's classrooms and really thinking about a, a kid's experience and how a, how a teacher or how a school leader um, works with that. How do some of those things specifically show up in schools and what are either some, some next steps or some first steps that educators can take um, when really looking through this lens of student mental health, but specifically through Everyday Strong? Yeah. So I would say the the first step is really just it's a mindset shift of looking at the emotional needs of kids and how can you help build those things. And so we do have a one hour training. We have them online. We have them in person within the Richmond area. And we also have partners. So um, CIS of Virginia is a partner. Um, our local health department's a partner. And so you can get it at other places as well, other than just um, United Way. But on our website, everydaystrongva.org, you can find trainings, you can find materials there. But I would say that it's not, again, it's not a program they have to do. It's really tools to help them think through how can I create safety, connection, and confidence in, in some of those concrete examples. And they're going to be, they're going to be different. So, um, one example under um, connection is we, I was working with one, um, if I could just share an example from my yeah, own life. Please do, um, please do. Who, <laughs> I, had a, I had a volleyball coach and the man would always just say, good hustle, good hustle, Watkins, good hustle. And so presumably if you were like doing volleyball really well, you're getting good hustle a lot, you know, but you, we got no other feedback, um, which um, maybe that's, helpful for um, developing volleyball players, probably not. But um, if you're thinking about something that would help support youth mental health, we know that specific praise will go a lot further than generic praise. So something like, can you find something of someone on your volleyball team and set a, a compliment, something specific, notice something about her that you could say only to her, that you could say to no other student on the team, notice that, praise that. And that teen can say, I was seen and he sees that I'm different and that's okay with him. So something like that's a really small tip of how you can create emotional safety of safe to be different. And so it, it's really, really simple kind of um, switches like that. Or I would say my own 
another story from my life. I had a science teacher who um, I started skipping school a little bit. I'd already gotten into college. And so I kind of, you know, wasn't giving chemistry my full attention. And it was actually my bio teacher from the year before was like, hey, where are you going? You know, and she kind of asked in a way that just like expressed really genuine curiosity. And underneath it, you know, I was skipping school because I had already gotten to college, but I was going, I'm from Los Angeles. I was going to college in Boston. And so that's a big change in someone's life. And like the anxiety of leaving all my friends behind, my boyfriend behind who like, I can hardly remember his name, but at the time it was so important, you know, and like really having a lot of anxiety about that transition. You know, teens don't show up and say, I'm having a lot of anxiety about going to Boston next year, you know? Um, well, well, they do They do now. Okay. <laughs> they can very much identify it in, in 2023. Good point, good point. There might be more emotionally literate than I was at that age, but for me, it was skipping school. But having a science teacher just goes, where are you going? Oh, tell me about this boyfriend, you know, like just asking questions. So one example is just, express genuine curiosity about them is a way to build connection. And so these are really simple things, simple tips that you can do. And again, a tip that worked for me might not work for someone else, but we all have lived experience that once we kind of make that mindset shift, we have things that we can kind of tap into to help build um, that safety connection confidence with kids. Yeah, I'll, I'll be sure to put um, the everydaystrongva.org uh, website link in, in the notes so that uh, folks have uh, that easy access to it. I yeah. definitely appreciate that. Um, so Emily, we, we promised to, to keep it under 30 minutes and we're coming up close to, uh, to that 30 minutes. Are there any other uh, points or, or tips or even examples um, that, that you want, you want to share before we say, before we say goodbye to this episode? Yeah, I just wanted to say that that you can make the difference. If you're the volleyball coach, if you're the math teacher, if you're someone who's an administrator who just says to the kid who's um, chronically absent, when you, when you see him next, say, oh, hey, I'm so glad you're here today. Those, some of those simple things, you can make the difference. And so I think we're all can get kind of burnout, overloaded to your point. Like there's so many demands on educators these days and the problem seems so huge but luckily the solution is also very simple of that kind of genuine connection with kids so i would just leave it with that you know you could you can make the difference yeah and and, and if we all took that challenge especially um when we think about the the village that is helping to raise each child if 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 it's one person rowing that boat, it, we might not be able to really move. Uh, we can make some dents, but it might not be able to move. But if everyone takes that on, who that child interacts with, and all of the adults are rowing that same boat and and taking that same uh, that same approach, then um, then we are going to be all right. Yeah. And I would also just say thank you so much for having me on today. Like I said, we've worked with a lot of educators and um, you were definitely one of the organizations that they surfaced and they're like, reach out to them. And then I saw that you had a podcast and I love podcasts. So I thought, so this was a great fit, but it came highly recommended of people being like, this is a source we trust. So thank you so much for all the work that you do and having me on. Awesome. Thank you, Emily. And thank you all for listening. Thanks.